Hello everybody, welcome to episode 69 of State of the Game, the golf podcast that talks about stuff that matters. My name is Rod Murray and on this episode, what matters is that it's been too long between episodes, so we thought we'd better get together and have a chat about anything and everything to do with the game and the state of the game as the title suggests. When I say we, I mean of course my co-hosts, as always from the US, blogger, critic, author and more, Jeff Shackleford. Jeff, I'm sure we'll find plenty to occupy us for the next little while, always a lot going on in golf. Uh, never any shortage of interesting news. So no, uh, state of the game has some uh, interesting things to to mull about the state of the game mm. at the moment. As you've pointed out many times, there is no off season in the game, which is good for us. But no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm here, treating it like an off season. Yeah, but. that's it. Well, I think we had a week, didn't we? So that was uh, that was lovely to have a break. Yeah. From here in Australia, former touring pro, course designer, columnist, general thinker about the game, Mike Clayton. Clayton, always good to get your insights about anything to do with golf. So we'll think of some questions to ask you, and that'll be fantastic. We hope so, right? Thank yeah, you. you now, Shaq, let's start with you. Just before we started to record here, you mentioned that you've ha- you've done an interview with the COO of Acushion. Of course, they floated on the market. This is a does this interest golfers? I don't know. Does this tell us anything about the state of the game, Shaq? What did he have to say, and what do we think about Titleist becoming a publicly traded company? Well, you you know, I don't find these things to be barometers of the state of the game because Wall Street has ridiculous expectations for what a golf company and what golfers should be buying. They think that, well, one, they, they have ridiculous expectations for, say, Apple products. Uh, and so when you then translate their ridiculous expectations to golfers who should be apparently replenishing their bag every every three months, and if they're not, then the game is in a free fall. It's an absurd thing to to measure the health of the sport by uh, how quickly people uh, buy new equipment, but they do anyway. And so I think it's going to be an incredibly interesting thing to watch, actually, because uh, no matter how we feel about the golf ball, uh, a Cushnet, Footjoy, Titleist, uh, and their other brands are not a uh, – they're not a group of people who, who just push stuff out uh, rapidly and for the sake of pushing things out, they have a very conservative approach. And so now with uh, this Wall Street uh, element and a stock price and shareholders and and more transparency, are they going to be forced to actually be uh, uh, turning things out more often, more clubs, more aggressive on more fronts? And then, of course, in the area that interests us, are they going to be more aggressive with the, with the golf ball and more aggressive in fighting? Uh, those who say maybe we should have a tournament ball or whatever uh, the the remedy is, and I think it, I don't see how they they uh, they get more <laughs> tolerant of our position. Do you? <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't have thought so, Shaq. I don't. I didn't see that happening public float or not. But the, now, the, now the, they had this initial public offering and they didn't quite get the price for the shares that they were hoping. Is that right? right. And, and does that tell us anything? Uh, I think it probably tells you that some bankers and people uh, got their fees and they they cooked up these wild uh, numbers and thought some people would buy them and they didn't. And if you read most of these analysts who who uh, were, are enjoying this sort of uh, this miss on the number, it's it's just uh, it's all kind of a guessing game. And I don't think it'll. I mean, I asked the the CEO David Marr if this would should should anybody who buys their 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 stuff and they do make great things and uh, uh, have a very loyal following. Should they be uh, troubled by this news? Uh, should will this impact what they do going forward? And I, I don't think it will. It's just a matter of who 
who uh, how how much certain people made on the on the IPO today and how much cash they generated. It's not a it's not going to impact their their thinking going forward. It sounds to me like they're basically going to be the same company. Uh, and that'll be the fun thing to see for us as an outsider is are they able to maintain kind of what they've done, which is build a very successful and healthy company uh, with these new new pressures. Mm. Titleless name, iconic in golf, of course, Clates. Does the state of the golf business reflect the state of the game in any way in your long experience in the game? Can we gauge anything about the state of golf from Titleless floating on the share market and not achieving the share price they were hoping for? I'm not sure about Titleless, but... It seems that people read a lot into Nike and Adidas disappearing from golf. Or get, well, I'm sure about Adidas and Taylor made that up for sale, I think, at their shack. But you know, they're not golf companies. I mean, Nike, who cares about Nike? It's not a golf company. Yeah, so exactly. lousy clubs that clearly, as soon as Rory and these other guys were free to go away from using them, they, they changed them in a heartbeat. Well, certainly, the you know, t- and Taylor made have benefited from that with all the free advertising they're getting from Rory using their driver. So does anyone care that a shoe and a marketing company got out of golf? I mean, that doesn't tell me anything. They made lousy stuff and they didn't make any money and out they went. It's a, it was an interesting uh, commentary on the game when they got into the game, though, don't you think, Clates? And I read a terrific article when they announced they were getting out of it, Nike, about how they misread golf. And I think a lot of people do, and what Shaq was talking about with the analysts, misreading the game and what golf is. Nike expected that if they bought into golf, had Tiger Woods on board, they would become a successful club manufacturing company and we're 15 years down the track. It just didn't work, did it? Um, which is interesting in itself, I think. Well, they had Tiger Woods and they had Michelle Wee and they had a bunch of they had some unbelievable players. And they, when I I don't remember seeing, ever seeing anyone at any golf club anywhere playing with a set of Nike clubs that bought. No. So, I mean, you know, and, and then you look at, well, I look at PXG, which don't sell clubs in Australia much because they're expensive, but... It seems to me that's the opposite case of a you know a company that seems to be doing pretty well. I'm not much how many clubs they're selling, but you know the perception is their clubs are great, whereas the perception was that Nike clubs were lousy. Mm-hmm. And uh, surely that's just marketing in the end, isn't it? I don't know. Aren't Nike the greatest marketing company in the history of the world? Shaq, I mean, well, quite seriously, problem. that yeah. they really are one of the great marketing companies in the history of the but world, aren't they? They they are, but it, it appears they made their golf products at least to be marketed and and were were designed and created uh w- with that in mind as opposed to the actual function and feel of the the product and i think that's why uh they're they they failed and why companies like uh, callaway and titleist and and TaylorMade have connected more with people because you actually look at them and and also mizuno makes beautiful uh, stuff and people do. Uh, yeah, I was having this conversation with somebody today. I think people have more appreciation for design now uh, than at any time since I've been kind of following the sport. And it's still a long way. There's a long way to go with architecture, but you hear more people who are golfers having interesting discussions and more refined discussions about all sorts of design in the game, whether it's course design, club design, shoe design, you name it. And I think that's where those companies, where they're just just marketing driven and creating blue drivers this month because that no that color tested well, uh, that those companies are are going away. They're 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 not uh, the people are rejecting them. I think for good reasons. 
blue, blue was never a good idea, mate. Though I don't know what. Oh, I, I don't, I don't get idea. the white driver either, though. I mean, <laughs> no, you look exactly. down; it's distracting. But anyway, uh, I've not actually used one, so there you go. Is there anything to draw more broadly? Do you think, Shaq? I was interested listening to you talk about that. We've sort of seen this. Um, sort of step back to minimalism with course design, yeah, the, the band and dunes and the yeah. bamboogle dunes, this movement away from it. Are we going to see a similar thing perhaps in clubs? I mean, we had the awful period of the 80s and 90s where some really terrible golf courses were built. Um, <laughs> are we going to move to the more yeah. sort of um, a more uh, more niche sort of model for golf clubs and equipment? Because it seems to me that what happened, the Titleist, the Callaways, the Tone, the really big companies got involved. I don't know that necessarily that's worked out so well. Are we going to get, see more of the PXG sort of thing where it's all about – you know, fitting the clubs to you rather than filling golf shops with lots of golf clubs that people are expected to go and buy. I I think so. I'd like to. I'd like. I mean, I hope so. It's probably wishful thinking in a sense, but I, I don't like the look of the PXG. But they have a design story to tell, and uh, it's an interesting one. And if you're into that kind of thing, and you're going to spend a lot of money, you want to hear that that and know that there is a thought behind what's being done. And I mean, you see what what some of these companies are starting to do with their irons. They're starting to get a little more. Uh, There's just a, a the design is better. It's sleeker. It's more uh, refined and and has some style. But 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 uh, you sense they're kind of hearkening back. Yeah, you know, I love when what we're seeing in golf architecture happen. And other things where you see people taking the best I old ideas but then adding their uh, a modern twist and uh of course in, unfortunately in golf course design usually the modern twist is is 7400 yards instead of 6400 but um there are people who use some of the modern bells and whistles to their advantage um and and so that's a nice thing but uh i think it's exciting to see that there is this this attention to design more from people and 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 a higher uh, expectation and hopefully it continues. Um, I, 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 it's hard to tell. Mm. You just don't know. But it mm. seems like that's where we're trending, and I mean it's incredible when you when you listen to some of the conversations now about golf courses. How much more informed they are. The people know who the architect is. Uh, we're still there's still a long way to go, but just I I don't know. Maybe maybe I look for it more because I'm I'm intrigued. But I you know and just those. Those chats you have, or those those ones you 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 eavesdrop on, where people are talking about a course, uh, they want to know more about what went into the design, and and it always mystified me, and I'm sure it did you, Clay, how little, and and still with great great players, it's still amazing how little they want to know about <laughs> how something was created or why it was done, but I think uh, we've at least I think they've made progress. Mm. Well, if, if you Thank play you. the sorry, Clay's got yeah, uh, just. Jordan Speed posted an Instagram picture of Trinity Forest. Oh, don't read the comments. Don't read the comments on that. <laughs> and, and I've been around that course a bunch of times, and it's it's a it's not a great piece of land. It's decent, but it's a beautiful golf course. You know, the typical Crown Crenshaw have done a great job. And here's a here's, here's one of the comments that looks awful. Reminds me of the, <laughs> bone, the bonehead move to cut all the trees down to Augusta. Can you, uh. But that's going to be in Texas summer with no shade. I mean, I mean, the list of comments is just: Are we making any progress at all when these clowns are? Well, you know, social like, media, it's a little different, but yeah. it's Texas too. It's Texas. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, you've just offended about ninety percent of the world there. Well, well done. it's taking <laughs> well, outside of Austin. It's still taking a little time for some of these uh, things that I'm talking about: this bespoke uh, style uh, movement and and arts and crafts. Uh, kind of driven thinking. It's it's spreading. It's just taking a little more time to get 
to the rest of the state outside of, of Austin. That's well, all. Glad you clarified. It's getting that. there. It'll take time. Yeah, we'll but don't go, go by. Never go by Instagram comments. They're horrible. No, no, yeah, but we'll do our thing at Shady Oaks and hopefully advance it just a little further, which will be interesting. You'll yeah, know what's you're going on? The on right, you're, you're on the right track, Clates, when you start getting people commenting that it looks awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks nice like Chambers Bay. Well, was aside from the imperfections uh, and that stuff, Chambers Bay looked pretty good to me. Um, Trinity Forest is going well. It looks like they want to advance the. Uh, the completion of Hogan's little nine-hole course, and so we get back there in January, and then we'll get to the main course in a year or two. I think they're going to close that and rebuild that. So, so tell there. us again what the what the the nine-hole is. It is it part of the club or is it public? I can't remember. Is it? It's, it's part of the club. It's right in the okay. middle of the course. Right in the okay. middle of the course, really. A, it's surprising Trent Jones didn't use it as part of the main course. It's oh. such an interesting piece of land. He just kind of yeah. looked like to me he completely missed on the routing by missing it out. Having said that, it was an ideal place for a little par three course. It, it was just very rudimentary with rudimentary bunkering and greens that were pretty nondescript and not, not interesting. And it, it, it was a piece of land that demanded a lot more than what he did with it. And perhaps that wasn't part of the part of the brief to do anything with it, but. Because it was both, it was just where Hogan practiced. He went up to the, by the tree there by the 18th tee and hit balls down into, into the middle of it. But um, you know, we're we're making a essentially keeping the same holes, but creating something where you can drop balls anywhere and play to any green, and you can play from the opposite side of the fourth fairway to the ninth green's a tremendous par four. So so it's just free. You know, it's everything we can imagine you can do on a golf course to make golf fun and cool. That's what we're trying to do, really. And yeah. how's how's that going down, Clay? I know that most of us, I'm not including myself in this, I've never I've never had the experience of that free form golf. And every time you've talked about what you're doing at Shady Oaks and the horse course that you did, Shaq, every time I read about that or hear about that, I, I think, God, I'd love to have a crack at that. There's not many opportunities. How's it going down with the actual golfers though, Clay? So have you had any feedback from the club members or those who use the facility as to whether they enjoy it? You talked about a similar thing with the practice facilities at Rio, I think, when you were there with, with Suo, that there was the practice area there where you could just sort of, it was a 360-degree area where you could just drop balls and hit to all sorts of places. And the bizarre thing was she was the only one out there doing it because they all just went to the driving range and beat balls down the driving range. Um, well, it's not even open at Shady Oaks right. yet. You know, we've done three holes there, but I mean, I haven't seen it for... It was our last day. I was last there in the, in the middle of the year, so so it's grass and it, the photos look terrific, and we're all back there in January to have another go. But I think the members will go out there and really enjoy it. Shaq, what's been the feedback with the the horse yeah. course? Oh, it's been sensational, and then it's always the same. Why don't more courses have these? And I was at a at a store here in in LA the other day, and uh, the it, it it's a the guy's a. He's a clothes designer, men's clothing designer. He's in Atlanta, and he happened to open this new store, and he was here, and, and uh, he loves golf. And uh, he happened to just be there that day. His name's Sid Mashburn, really interesting guy, uh, and into all sorts of stuff. And his, uh, his stuff is bought by all sorts of interesting people. And, and we got going on golf, and he's doing a few things for East Lake, like, I don't know, designing a tie or something. And... And he goes, you know, you know what the problem with golf is? There just aren't enough par three courses. I just because I just want I want that hour hour and fifteen experience. Go out, go out, hit some shots, have some fun, have some laughs, uh, be out of nature for a little while, and then boom, go on to the next thing. And I said, yeah, I know it's 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 uh, it's really probably I still think the number one thing that we need more of are just there are places for beginners, there are places for people who love the game but don't have the time. 
Um, so it's maybe it just we just need to have more of these like uh, Shady Oaks where more and more uh, places like that kind of give the idea and it just it just goes from there. I, I, I don't know what else the answer is, but publicly we sure need more of them. Um, and we and the ones we have are so run down. They're so poorly taken care of. It's like, well, how do you expect anybody to get excited about the game when this place is neglected and treated like this? It's funny, isn't it? We've we've talked about it. I'm pretty sure it was Jeff Ogilvy, wasn't it? Uh, Clates told us yeah. that the most fun he'd had on the golf course was the pitch had put out the front of Turnby there at the Open one one year playing with um playing with his son. Why don't we have more par three pitch and putt and sort of free form kind of golf? The more you think about it, the more sense it makes. It uses less land, takes less time. Ticks all the boxes for curing the ills of the game. Why? Why does golf sort of resist the notion of a part three? We don't take them seriously, do we? We have this silly notion that golf is eighteen hole. I mean, we, we tried to yep. sell the concept of a of a, a course in in Victoria, not in Melbourne, but who are selling land and contemplating buying more land. And we tried to sell the concept of just build a twelve hole course. It'll save you. It was going to save them the cost of the land and the cost of the construction of um, the extra holes on the new land. We designed a 12-hole course, but three of the holes were reversible, and, and and two of the other holes played from different tees. If you wanted to go and play the six-hole loop again to make 18, and you just you can't even get to first base. It's just no. Nope. That was I thought it was a great idea. I mean, for a club that was struggling financially, it was going to save them a fortune. It was a tremendous idea, but you can't even get to first base with that. Just and I'm talking about. Just because oh, I mean, the cart path, Clates would have been so. Sorry, I didn't know. I couldn't help it. It's got to be a much cheaper cart path for only 12 holes, doesn't it? Um, what's, what's that about? Is it the fact? Is the reality that for all the the, the carry on that we're going with and how much we'd appreciate it, is the truth that you cannot sell twelve hole, nine hole pitch and putt golf to the actual consumers who are golfers, who, as you've pointed out many times yourself, Clates, for the most part, don't actually have any interest in the game. Well, it's a club with an aging membership who can't attract new members. Well, what? Because the course is not very good, but they don't get doing the cool little clubhouse, and they don't get. Let's do something different. And it's just, now we've got to be out in holes and we've got to have a club asset, you know, with a locker room and 10 showers and like, you know. Four path yeah. lines? Four path what, 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 yeah, what, you need, yeah. what you need a really cool little coffee shop looking over the ocean, and, a, and a, which they've got, well, over a beautiful lake and a great view, and just build a really cool little golf course. But of course, the, the, the people who are making the decision, are, they're not going to be the ones who are playing the golf course. They're 75 years old. Mm. Is there a fountain in the lake, Clates? This is where they might have missed the opportunity. Is there a fountain in the lake? This is probably the opportunity they've missed. If they put a fountain in the lake, maybe that would have worked. No, the lake's actually not on the property. But okay. Beautiful, long view. I mean, it's got everything. It's incredible. And uh, having said that, the land they're buying is going to be really good for the golf. It it suits us better. We'll make more money in our building because there's more golf. But, you know, the fact that you couldn't even get to first base was what was frustrating to me. But, and the other thing we need, Jeff, is more Himalayas putting greens. I don't get why. Yeah. You know, here's the most popular concept on the old course at Sanders, arguably, is the, you know, the Himalayas putting green. And when you suggest building those, I mean, I, I will get to do one somewhere at some point. Someone's going to do it. But I mean, every club should have one of those things. I mean, what a great place to have kids learn how to play golf. They don't have to get the ball in the air. You can run along the ground. And, and it's just, you know, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's fun. It's a great way to, to uh, again, if you just want to go out and get a little bit of 
uh, fresh air and you don't you only have an, uh, 45 minutes uh, and they're just not that much more to maintain and um, I just don't think there are many examples for people and uh, outside of and, and the one at St. Andrews is so incredible that that doesn't uh, you know I don't know why people they apparently look at that and think it can't be recreated but uh, it can uh, it's it is frustrating what was the but course the already, of, sorry points? well the irony is that you know you go back 200 years, the concept that have all been done, Prescott was 12 holes, the Himalayas planting green, Sanders was a reversible course, so it's not like these concepts are new or revolutionary, Or I mean, they've all been done pretty successfully, I mean, Prescott was a pretty successful place, a 12-hole golf course. Hmm. So, What was the course in Scotland, Shaq, you, po- you posted a picture of a couple of years ago when you went over for the Open one year, that it was the kids' course, no adults allowed or something, I remember seeing the photo of the, the sign at the gate, which course was that? Oh, yes, was at that uh, North Barrack, yeah. in North Barrack, yeah. yeah, 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 they have the great sign that says uh, that, uh, that that adults must be accompanied by children, and it's it's for them, and it's uh, sensational, it's it's just, it's right there in front of the, the Marine Hotel, and um and and obviously other people can go play it but the kids have priority and and it's sensational i mean that whole place is sensational <laughs> everything about it's perfect pretty much but so so why don't we in the rest of the world and we're watching the hsbc event in china and no knock on the tournament the sponsors or anything else about it but i think as we've probably all recognized before it sort of is an ad for everything that's completely wrong with the game is it not why does this take precedence over some of these great ideas do you think Shaq? it's this is a bizarre situation in golf is it not uh i I don't think we have a, a lot of uh, discussion about these things. And, and uh, when you think about the whole golf experience versus what's going on, say, in restaurants and other experiences uh, where there's customer service and, uh, and people paying money to do something, golf has not kept up. And the, the, uh, the way the golf facilities imagined, I mean, look at clubs and how much they've resisted things like adding a fitness room or a, a room where a wife can come and do yoga, uh, or, uh, you know, any of those things that, that those little things that would make a club more valuable, look at the resistance and the, and the inability to, to adapt. And it comes from probably uh, a number of things, but in part, I, I'm sure it's just, uh, the lack of, um, uh, of of discussion and and tastemakers who kind of uh, get you thinking outside the box a little bit. We definitely, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to go on a, a rant here, but I, I took some heat for suggesting why is Robert Trent Jones and even in the Hall of Fame. And the more I thought about it, I thought, what what did he contribute uh, in his career really that made the game better? I I couldn't really think of anything like uh, even remotely. Close, and then you know, here's a Hall of Fame architect who really was the most prominent architect for about 30, 40 years, and I, I don't know what he did to make the game better. I can think of a lot of things he did to make it worse, and so we've, we definitely are trying to overcome uh, a few generations where we had some people who just, uh, I mean, look at, I mean, compare him to A.W. Tillinghast, uh, and what everything he did in his life was about trying to make golf. Better trying to bring the best ideas from Scotland to the United States, writing about the game, celebrating the game, taking amazing photographs, trying to come up with cool concepts for golf in the city, uh, Lilliput links, all these things. Everything in his existence was was about making the game better. And 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 he took he was he was not in the Hall of Fame before Robert Trent Jones. So, 
Okay, so here, here's what he did to make the game better, Shaq. The Pete Dye quote. I saw what Robert Trent Jones was doing, and I headed off in a complete direction. <laughs> <laughs> then out of Pete Dye came Bill Corr and Tom Doak and all the guys who went to work for him, so they contributed to the game. It was oh. Pete Dye, who headed off in the opposite direction and started doing something completely different. And you can say what you like about Pete Dye courses. I'm, I've only seen a couple of them and don't know. But, you know, at least he diverted people the other way. So we, did, yeah, we didn't. He did. The 16th, you know, we didn't get the 16th at Firestone and the 13th at Dorado Beach and the concept of the signature hole in the 7,000 yard course and massive long tees and huge greens and dull design and, and and the bizarre thing about that was that I mean he saw all the other great stuff. He I mean, he was around when yeah you know all, all those great courses were being built and you know or were, were completed. He, he he saw them all as new. You know the golden age stuff. So yep. You know, it was, uh, as Peter Thompson would say, when he wrote about the Australian club, when Nicholas really the Australian in 1977 for the Australian Open, and he had a huge headline in the paper, which was amazing to think for a, another golf course architect to write this, but he wrote, Packer money wasted. Kerry Packer had paid for the Australian. Packer money wasted. And he proceeded in a, in a brilliant contract, slaughter the golf course, describing the ponds by the, small ponds by the green as, like fins on Cadillacs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he did too. That is one of the all-time great pieces. I remember reading that now, Clates. I, you'd, I'd forgotten it's about just, that. That was brilliant, wasn't it? It was one of the all-time great criticisms of a golf course ever. I mean, if I went to – and Nicholas has century done the Australian, but if I went to the Australian Open this year and just took Thompson's words word for word and put, and put my name on it, wow, I'd be, it would be absolutely slaughtered. But Peter Thompson could – get away with it because he was Peter Thompson and, and he did it so brilliantly and so eloquently and you couldn't argue with it. He was Even the biggest fan of the golf course would have to have read it and said, well, he's got a pretty good point there. Well, he's certainly got a mm. valid point and a position that he can back, hasn't he, Clates, which is a totally different thing. You don't have to agree with him, but he's putting his case and he's he's, he's making his argument logically and, and laying things out as opposed to just saying, which is probably the case mostly with golf course architecture, isn't it, Shaq? I like that or I don't like that for... No apparent reason uh, as to why people do or don't like things. It's a bit like art, really, isn't it? Golf course architecture. People just have opinions, and that's that. I, but I think that, to my point earlier, that's starting to change a mm. little bit. Uh, when you ask somebody why they like the course, you, I start. To, I hear more interesting reasons. I hear things like. Uh, uh, the routing was interesting in the way it kind of built up to this great group of finishing holes or um, I, you hear more refined takes on golf courses and that to me is pretty exciting uh, when when you get that because it wasn't that long ago you'd ask somebody why they hated a course or why they liked a course and it was always just down to how hard or easy it was. What they shot on the day. We must put a tick in the positive Yeah, and column. what they shot on the day. That's yes. right. Yeah. There's got to be yeah. a tick in the positive column for the internet there, though, doesn't there, Shaq, as well? It's one of the few good things it's done is that whereas if you wanted to know anything about course architecture 20 years ago, you needed to buy books like Clates has and have walls and you and have walls and rooms full of books, whereas now there is actually, it's certainly not the most talked about thing in golf, but there's plenty of corners of the internet where you can read and learn about this stuff, isn't there? And I think that's probably played a pretty impressive, important role as well. Yeah, and I'm always fascinated by now how much players and golfers, how much research they do before they go. And it makes perfect sense. I mean, we've we've always done that, but now, as you say, they have more of it at their disposal. And uh, I'm always fascinated by that when a good player talks about 
in a press conference having scouted out the course just gone on google earth and 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 i'm 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 just i find that fascinating uh i don't know what they're looking at and uh i don't know what they're i think they're just trying to sorry for the phone ring that's, a, that's um, what we're trying john's I, buddy <laughs> yeah exactly you heard us speaking about yeah, it right. yeah. um uh Anyway, uh, so uh, but to my to the point is that I, I think they're just kind of getting a lay of the land and getting a feel for it, and and um, I think that's that in itself is interesting that they're just trying to get a a sense of what the place uh, looks like. Hmm. There's hours of conversation in the the nexus between professional golf and golfers and golf courses and golf course architecture. Just back to the equipment thing quickly, Clates. I was thinking earlier on while we were discussing that you've obviously played the game for a long time. How have you seen the relationship between players and equipment change, both at the professional and the amateur level? My recollection is sort of 30 years ago is that you kind of bought a set of clubs and maybe 10 years later you might think about buying another set, but maybe you wouldn't. And that certainly isn't the case anymore, is it? Well, I think there are always people who chase the magic club, but yeah, I mean, Nicholas used the same three wood his whole career. As now, I assume you go to the range now, and the reps are trying to force the newest club in your bag. And if you're not using it, that's telling the market that the new club's no good because I'm sticking with the old one. But I mean, the biggest change for pros, I think, is when we played and you had you signed a contract with a company, you only really had to use a three iron to a nine iron. That was really it. You. I mean, no one was forcing a Spalding player to play with Spalding Woods because they weren't any good. I mean, Greg was playing with McGregor Woods. And, you know, you always, I mean, people had Hogan sand irons and Ram sand irons and ping one irons and Wilson putters and ping putters. And But now it seems to me that once you sign with a company and you're a pro, you're pretty much obliged to use all 14 clubs. Now, golf companies make a, a wider range of high-quality Club. So if you have to play tightless, it's not an onerous thing to play a tightless driver or a, or a tailor-made driver if you're a tailor-made player or, well, we've been with the, the Nike driver thing. But, uh, you know, Ping always made a pretty broad set of clubs that were very good, but their driver was – the wooden driver was a terrible club. So the biggest change has been players being, having to use 13 or 14 clubs of the manufacturer's contract, really. And the ball now too. <laughs> <laughs> the balls come under the fold as well. I mean, Callaway make a ball, Bridge uh, Taylor made make a ball. So quite often, if you play those clubs, then you've got to play that ball. Will we see more, Shaq? Do you think of what we've seen with Jordan Spieth and what we're going to see with the Nike players, where it's not a golf club manufacturer who's going to be the main sponsor of some of these bigger names? And how might that change things? For example, Rory obviously will still have the swoosh all over him, but he'll use the Taylor made driver quite possibly. Is that perhaps a new trend in that direction? I mean, Spieth is Under Armour predominantly. We know he uses Titleist clubs but they're not his major sponsor in that sense do you think we'll see more of that sort of thing i think we already have and yeah i think it'll continue and that's fine um maybe it's it's uh, a good thing but uh i i don't think that uh, it impacts the rest of us that much unless you just uh, then I, of course i say that and then you you see what people are doing uh what young you you know i like to look at what young people are doing with their uh, their look and their clubs and their bag and it is amazing how much i think that uh that the companies do that they look and see how they're influencing kids and they they're very fascinated by that which i i 
don't know the whole psychology of it. It may just be that they're they just want to they, they want to feel good that they're influencing the next generation. Uh, but it's it's incredible to see, for instance, how Under Armour has just absolutely taken off in golf in the United States in terms of uh, hats and and clothing and now probably shoes. And now they're getting a shoe out there with uh, with people basically under, let's say, uh, 20 or 18. It's incredible, the power of it all. So uh, I get why it means a lot to them. And um, and so, yeah, I think you'll see players uh, kind of take where the most money is and most influence. And, and the golf companies hopefully will make good golf equipment and then uh, people can wear whatever they want. And they can spend less on paying the players and therefore make the equipment perhaps a little bit cheaper. It is more. staggering. Staggering what they pay. I mean, this number, this idea of Jason Day and ten million dollars a year. Uh, no offense to him, but I, I, how on earth can they justify that? What, how is he going to sell them uh, that much clothing? Well, I, I can't. Fathom it's that. funny you should say. You were talking about the Under Armour thing. So I work with a guy who I think is twenty-four years old. His parents are very, visiting America at the moment. He excitedly told me the other day that he can't wait for them to get home because he asked them to buy him <laughs> some Under Armour shirts. Because you guys, you don't have any Under Armour there? I'm not sure. You really are asking oh. the wrong bloke. I, I imagine, well, I, I would, I imagine I, you do, but I, that's what he was after. Probably not much if he's having her uh, uh, yeah. smuggle it back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's quite bizarre. <laughs> Mom and Dad are having to declare uh, their Under Armour. Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> that's just, wow. That, that's that's wild. But it, that tells you. I mean, it's powerful. Well, uh, yeah, but that also goes along with Clay's. I don't know whether you've noticed this or how many young people you even know. I don't know many, so I might be being a bit unfair here. But they all seem to be nuts about... NFL and basketball as well. Um, there's a real sort of American thing going on with young people here in Australia, it seems to me. I don't know. Do you see any of that, Clades? I certainly see it. Well, I think that's from young Australians who've never been to America who think that America is the, uh, uh, the greatest country in the world. I mean I, I mean, I think when I was at that age, I thought America was like, it was just to seem like this godlike place where everything great was. And you go to America and realize, well, it's just actually another country that's pretty good and it's got its faults and it's, you know, but I think young people are always enamored by America and the concept of what America is. And then they go there and realize, well, actually it's, you know, it's got its faults and it's not that great. It's good, but, you know, lest I affect it, upset every American listening. But I was going to say, Clates might have just saved you from the Texans, Shaq. <laughs> He's offended yeah, the rest of the country. Yeah, I think so. I'm feeling good. I only, uh, I only offended one, one, one portion of the country. Yeah, that's yeah. A good one. I could line up with PJ Willett. Um, but, yeah. you, know, you know, I think when I was a kid, I just thought Firestone was the greatest course in the world because it was CBS Golf Classic. And it was, uh, I just thought everything American was great. And I think there's a, a, a tendency for young kids in Australia to just assume that everything in America is great. Because not just, never in fairness, it's not just exactly Australia, probably all over the world, isn't it? And and America is great. Everything about there are great things about the very best of everything can be found in America, can't it, Jeff? As as can most of some of the very worst stuff can also be found in America. It really is uh, the country with everything in that. So you got three. How many people? You got three hundred and sixty million. Uh, I think three thirty, but 330? you're close. Yeah, we yeah. got about we got about twenty. So you know we're not <laughs> we're barely a capital city and. Some parts of America, that's uh, that's off the top. What about the influence of America on the game then, uh, Shaq, in that sense? Well, it's maybe. been dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> it's been awful. We know that. We've established that on many shows, I, I believe. <laughs> I didn't kind of I, I mean it. Think that's a secret. In, you know, I suppose it didn't kind of mean it in that way, but I suppose all this stuff filters in. Maybe this is what the, the companies are getting at. Uh, young people are impressionable, aren't they? I mean, I, I'm staggered by the notion of anybody being taken with a particular brand. 
but are we kids of the 80s and were anti-brands for all sorts of reasons because that was our shtick and then that's now all turned? Is it just that simple, perhaps? No, I, I mean, I was taken by certain players and companies and, and who they played for when I was a junior golfer. I just think it's become more pronounced with social media and then, of course, the rules allowing kids to to uh, to take free equipment. Or, and, to, you, you know, I never have quite understood how the USGA and RNA rationalize. I get the idea of, of, of allowing companies to provide equipment to, to players who might not otherwise be able to afford it. Aspiring players, I don't quite get why they need to have a logoed hat, um, but um, that one's never been explained to me. But it's also just a change in society that people are. Uh, you see it in celebrities; they're they're not shy in wearing a brand uh, hat. Uh, there's a coolness thing going on there that that um, is is interesting, uh, and again, way beyond my pay grade as to the appeal of it. But um, well, I don't know it, but- uh, where we're at. It's a it's an interesting time. Certainly, that's for it. sure. All of which leads us nicely into something that I did want to ask you about, Shaq. And I felt like this one flew a little bit under the radar. It seems like lots of good stories have disappeared under the radar in golf this year because every minute there's been another story break yeah. that sort of makes the other one. But the PGA Tour announced last week a new event in Korea. Now this is interesting stuff. There's been in the background this sort of little kind of a battle between the European Tour and the PGA Tour, sort of over Asian turf in a bit of a way. This was a really interesting announcement, which didn't really garner much of a uh, much of a response and then just this week they announced the pga tour announced that they were going to open an office in japan what's going on with the globalization of the pga tour they seemed late to the party but all of a sudden they've got a big presence down in this part of the world this is what they've wanted for some time and tim fincham's uh one of his final projects has been to 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 kind of uh solidify their uh, international expansion and they're apparently uh, quite interested in in protecting whatever turf they can and keeping the European tour from from taking it. Um, I, I can't. Uh, now this year has been tough because there've been a lot of events, but I just can't fathom what the concept is in terms of uh, this as a product. I, I just don't. I mean, you, you the numbers last week for that event in Malaysia and the number of people watching in the United States were just unbelievable how bad they were, how few people were watching. And here they are. They're continuing to add events, wanting to go to Asia where a lot of American players don't want to go this time of year. They've just had a really long summer. And I I know that they'll go wherever there's a sponsor and somebody wants to write a check. But it – the, the fan is telling them through these these ratings, and people don't understand why I I find them so interesting, and I think they're the only barometer we have, and the the numbers are telling you that right now people are burned out on watching golf. They'll come back in January like they always do, but right now they don't they don't want to uh, they don't want to watch. And uh, do we have so any indication check of what the TV ratings are outside of America, and is there perhaps a clue to the answer to your question in those? No things? clue. Yeah, no clue. It's it's. I, I during the Olympics, I was trying to find out some numbers, and it that shocked me how how poor the uh, the rating systems are internationally, uh, and how much information we get versus versus other countries. So it's it's hard to tell. And you know, somebody at HSBC, I'm sure, can tell you what kind of numbers they're getting for this this uh, event that's being played as we're we're recording this in uh, Shanghai, the WGC event. I'm sure they have things that tell them 
uh, impressions and all that good stuff that justifies what they're they're spending. Well, they threatened to pull but, out a few years ago, didn't they? They weren't getting the name players. I can't remember um, the guy's name. The head of HSBC, he said quite yeah, quite up front. We'll, we'll give yeah, it away. Yeah, he has been. And Richard Gillis, is, uh, who we've had on, has, has discussed uh, him, uh, 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 Mr. Morgan, I'm forgetting his first name. Giles, 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 Giles Morgan. Giles, yes, well done. yeah, well done. Um, and so he, he's uh, yes, he's had a temperamental relationship with some of this stuff. But uh, by the way, did Clays, did you see the purse on the the, the event in Korea? Nine point uh, was it nine point two or nine point five million for a seventy eight player field? Uh, no cut. Another okay. seventy-two holes, stroke play, no cut. I mean, give me, come on, guys. We, it's so, who cares? It's so boring. This brings us to a discussion we had this week with Lake Karanup Country Club, where we did a redesign and we did we continue to consult. The European Tour and the Australian Tour are playing an event there in February, and they want us to build in a completely inappropriate spot because it's down in a valley, pitching up. A massive tee stuck up in the air so the players can see the hole. Uh, a temporary tee for a 90-meter hole for their new tournament, European Tour event, which is a 54-hole cut to 24 and then six-hole matches six on matches. Sunday. Mm-hmm. So what, what they want us to build this tee for, which we're not going to do, is uh, so that when, it, when, when they go to the extra hole, they have to go to this sort of tee that's sort of built up in the air and they've got to play a 90-meter pitch shot. And they play match play for one go. And if someone makes a four or someone makes a two, they win. But if they both make threes, they go back and play nearest the pin. And that's the concept for the tournament. So it's um, it's the first going to be the first tour event ever decided by 24 players playing one day, six whole matches until someone wins. So, okay. So I suppose what we've got then, Clates, is the exact opposites of how the European Tour and the PGA Tour have decided to go about this. I mean, you couldn't get a more different event than what you've just described, and it may or may not work, it may or may not be good. I seem to remember the one on the surf coast a few years ago was interesting in, a, in its own ways, um, uh, and so yeah. that, that could work, the six-hole matches. And the PGA Tour having a 72-hole stroke play tournament with oodles of money for a small amount oh. of players. Which is better for the game, Clates? Taking away any criticism of what may or may not and the fact that they want to build you want you to build an offensive tee. Leaving all that aside, which is the way forward? Well, I'm a traditionalist. I like 72-hole stroke play tournaments, but but it's like test cricket. It's, people just – they want – as Andrew Chubby Chandler told me at Woburn last year, he said, how much longer can we keep serving up this stuff, which is just week after week of 72-hole tournaments, where they just all roll into one, the courses are dull, the really – who, who, who did win in Malaysia last week? We've already forgotten. And you know, it's, I mean, to me, the game, as with the par three course thing, it needs to, you know, the six-hole concept is something new, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. I mean, I hate twenty twenty cricket, which is a short version, Jeff, of five-day cricket. Yeah, last yeah, week. yeah. And it means nothing, but short version of one-day cricket, class, it's getting worse. People it. I mean. So, so, you know, the six-hole concept is something that they play a few times of the year. I mean, to me, the most interesting golf has always been match play golf. Match play mm-hmm. tournaments are right. but But TV hate it because instead of getting Palmer and Nicholas, you get John Schroeder and DeWitt Weaver and, you know, that's what happens inevitably. You don't get Mickelson and Woods, but you get Ogilvy and Stenson or, you know, good players, but not not the ones that the sponsors hoped they would get. And, and, and they never have had that. 
Unless it was the world matchment where you started off with eight players and 16 players and you were kind of guaranteed you were going to get two superstars at the end. But Because the WGC match play, Shaq, is not the most popular event all year, is it? And yet if we were right about our notion that match play is the most interesting form of golf, uh, that really does sort of speak against that in a way, doesn't it? Yeah, but it, it – well, two things. One, I think television is warming to match play more. I think they do realize that uh, they have probably been – too obsessed with that Sunday final matchup and forgetting that, oh, uh, and I think the WGC has proven this, especially with the new round robin format, which I think has been a great thing. Some people lament the disappearance of the one and done element, but you have to be realistic. Uh, you want fans to come out and be able to enjoy seeing their players. You got to keep them around for a few days. I don't think there's anything wrong with round robin. Um, but what what's interesting is I think they've realized that that there's nothing wrong with having some of your best golf early in the week and that round robin those early matches you can have some great stuff and and then you just get more emotion you get more drama uh, I I think people are warming to to match play you still get the usual all the vagaries and it's just you, you never you're at the mercy of who you're playing against you still get a little of that but but most people i i think are kind of tired of that narrative and just want to see some something different and the tour the pga tour has admirably stuck with that format and that event and i think it's uh and i think it may have really paid off because i i sense it's now going to find a home there in austin i was going to say that venue really it's seemed gonna to be, be the making of it this year didn't it well they finally yeah what a concept they finally figured out that match play uh <laughs> played on a golf course where there's some volatility mm-hmm. is going to be interesting because you don't feel like any matches is truly secure unless somebody's just playing out of their minds and um plus you just get the fun of of the dynamics of uh uh, player A drives the green. Now, what does player B do? And and all those little dynamics about the honor and and things that we love in the Ryder Cup. They, I think, there's just more appreciation for. And now it's just a matter of finding the right uh, format. You know, I, I have a. I think the Olympic format ought to have a have nine hole matches in uh, a little round robin thing you could do really quickly and you'd play 27 holes at most in a day and things like that and I I guess that's where I struggle with like the uh, the European tour is going to try some really nutty stuff here and I think it's all a little bit I think it's all well intentioned it's but it's 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 always just a little too goofy you know it's just a little too trying too hard and I can't fathom why golf is struggling to just go back into its history books and see that uh, there used to be partners events, there used to be match play, uh, Stableford. There are some fun twists on the regular game without drifting too far. And, of course, uh, right up there with our annual, our, our regular roll back the ball talk, you, you know I have to mention that this this is a, a wonderful time for all these commissioners dreaming of new formats to bring back the stymie. <laughs> Bobby oh, Jones loved the stymie. Yeah, it was. It had to be incredible. Come on, bring it back. Just that, one week out of the year. That's two of you, Clates. Are you a stymie man? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I've never played it, so he's I don't know. not. He's he's an anti stymie. Oh, it was stupid, but yeah. Oh, come on, someone stymie. Someone. I want to see Phil Mickelson stymie Tiger Woods on the 35th hole. Would that be awesome? So now it's now it's. Is Tiger coming back, or what, what's the deal there no. with that? He's toast. He's, no? he's, I don't think he wants to play, do you? I mean, I, I just well, don't think you? he's... He must I think he know put off he's never going to. 
he's never going to be Tiger Woods again. And I think that realisation hit him. And I, that was bizarre, wasn't it, Shaq, that whole committing Friday, pulling out Monday, but something quite genuinely important happened in his own mind clearly over those three days for him to make yeah he played golf he played golf on sunday and he he lost a lot of balls and he had a bad day and he realized he wasn't ready and uh it's as simple as that i think i don't think he could make the traveling team at stanford right now and that was probably enough realization right there that he's just not ready i don't think he's been playing that much you know we surely he knew that friday though shaq something more than he must have known that on friday why did he commit on friday it's not like suddenly his game fell apart you forget he, he, you know, he, the worst thing that the best thing that ever happened in his career was was showing up at Torrey Pines, and winning, having hardly played and being injured. Or that's also the worst thing that ever happened to him because mm-hmm. he now has it in his mind, and maybe not now after what I think happened before the Safeway that he uh, has always thought, well, I'm just I'm so good I can I don't need to play a lot. And we had a story in Golf Digest, Brian Wacker did, and. And nobody has seen him down in Jupiter playing golf. And it, it confused everybody because then you had Jesper Parnovic saying he's been playing great and he's hitting it great. Well, it turned out Jesper made those comments in March when Tiger was supposedly playing a little bit of golf. But I think he shut it down all summer and just didn't do a whole lot except practice at the house. And, you know, when he went out on a golf course, it's just he can't do that anymore. He can't just go out on the course and act like he's going to be the same old guy. Those... And then you throw in the demons and the stuff with oh, well, injuries yeah. and 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 seeing all the trouble that he used to not see and things like that and it's it's uh, he's got a long way to go. His legacy doesn't stand to do anything but lose from a comeback, does it, Clates? Why doesn't he just say, "I'm done"? Yeah, well, it looks that way, sadly. I mean, Pankani, I mean, a couple of years ago, he said he'll just use the injuries as an excuse and he'll fade out of the game and. It looks to be sadly prophetically true, really. Why Why hasn't he, though, Shaq? Wouldn't it have been more sensible for Woods to say last year, or at the Hero last year, when he looked depressed and sounded depressed and talked about anything else being grey? Wouldn't Why didn't he just hang it up there? And then if he had decided this year that he was going that he was well enough to make a comeback, it would have been a terrific story and no harm done. Poorly handled I, for a guy with all the resources in the world at his fingertips, don't you think? It's, it's strange to me how that's unfolded that way. But he's poor. He's handled so many things poorly, <clears throat> and it's clear that he doesn't have uh, a, a, the people around him to to set him straight on some of these, which are you know, admittedly very complicated decisions and and complicated emotions and things he's dealing with, and, and in terms of what he once was and what he is now, and and he clearly just doesn't have you know, Mark Steinberg. Uh, I think is busy with a lot of clients. I don't think he gives him the uh, 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 attention and well, advice do, that he used Jack? to give him. And, what's to do? He's uh, not dealing with sponsors. There's, you know, I mean, I'm sure that yeah. mail still comes in wanting Tiger to do things, but it'd be nothing like it what was. What do you mean, Rod? There's been the rebranding, the, the TW 2.0 thing with the three little bars for the logo. Come on, you didn't catch all that? I did, but is that not telling? And why wouldn't you do that uh, in a more upfront way? Why wouldn't Woods just say, look, uh, it's time now for the second phase of my career, which is going to be business. I may or may not play again at some point, but it's certainly not my priority anymore. I mean, yeah. it, it just to me, I mean, I'm no, I don't know much about money, but that just seems sensible to me. Just tell the truth. <laughs> Given your experience that's, with not having not, not told the truth, wouldn't you think you that might has have not been his, uh, that has not been the way he's operated. No, it and that's bizarre. the problem. Having yeah. said that, who knows what it's like inside that world and that bubble. It would be an odd place to live, one would think. Clates, I mean, 
the superstars of the game live in a very different world to to the rest of us, don't they? Well, they don't have to. That's a choice they make. Uh, they, they choose oh, to live. In do you think? Could Tiger Woods have had a normal life? I mean, maybe not so much the rest of them, but could Tiger Woods have had a normal life? He's such a celebrity. Well, Is yeah, that possible? Normal life. Yeah. You reckon? I'm not convinced about that. Anyway. Um, I mean, probably, probably less, probably more difficult in America where I mean, celebrities in Australia get a, a pretty much left alone. It seems to me in America they're much more you know, public property and if they go out, then people feel like it's that they can approach them and say something to them. What yeah. if they, you know, whereas in Australia, no one cares. I mean, no one asks them to do anything, or you know, it's just people are just looking. Okay, there's so and so, and walk away. And mm. you know, you know, it's much more of a fishbowl in America. I, I suspect, might be wrong, but you know, um, you know, one, you know, if there's one place where you're a superstar and you and you can't live, a, and it's it's more difficult to live a normal life, it would be America than anywhere else in the world. I would think. Hmm. Yeah, possibly. Although, I mean, his celebrity was so big, though, Shaq, in fairness. And he was much beyond golf, wasn't I mean, Jordan Spieth in Sydney last yeah. year sat in his press conference, told us publicly what hotel he was staying at and how he'd yeah, been yeah, wandering yeah. around Darling Harbour having beers and not a single person had approached him. I mean, all respect to Jordan, yeah. though, he's not Tiger. Tiger could not no. do that in Sydney or Melbourne or no. anywhere in the world. Impossible for him to do that. No, he was one of the three most recognizable yeah. people in the world for a time. And, Absolutely. And, and may still be. I would have uh, thought so. I mean, he, he hasn't gone away, has he? Which every time we post a story on Golf Link on their Facebook page that's got anything to do with Tiger, there are two or three regulars whose immediate response is, for God's sake, do we still have to talk about this bloke? And yet, yeah. <laughs> we kind of do, don't we? Because uh, well, such sure. A, such a huge influence in the game and a huge part of the game. Uh, gents, let's wrap it up because I have to get in the car and drive from here to Yeah, because, three hours. yes, you do. And I was just, I had Greg Norman on the tip of my tongue and we don't want to go down that rat hole. Well, so. he, oh, come on. Just give us a teaser <laughs> for, the, for episode 70. We can, we can start off with, what's he done? What's he upset you with now? No, he hasn't upset me. He entertains me to no end. I just thought when you were discussing Tiger and, uh, and the rebranding, Greg rolled out his rebranding oh, at the same time. Yes. and. And he's still using his chainsaw and the stuff in the backyard, even after he nearly now, cut a limb off. What and was he's that the a, best. I what was him. that whole hurricane thing about? Did he upset anybody with that? It all looked a bit... Hey, hey, he used that as an opportunity to burn some calories, Rod. That was impressive. Some weird stuff. <laughs> and, and let us know about it. Genuinely, uh, he's honestly getting a bit strange, isn't he, Clates? Yeah. I had to unfollow him on Twitter. Too many shirtless See, shots. It. it was bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> You didn't yeah. enjoy the shirtless instruction uh, pieces? Those were on Instagram. Those just, were really funny. Honestly, weird for a man in his 60s. Just strange behavior. <laughs> it seems yeah. to be. Anyway. Yeah, um, we better. Yeah, he was a good player, though. Um, so he's got he that. Amazing player. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, gents. That's it until episode 70. Shaq, as always, thank you very much, mate. Yes. Most enjoyable. Same here. Great to talk to you guys. Yeah, you too, Clates. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks, Rod. That wraps up State of the Game, episode 69. We'll be back for episode 70 where we'll explore the actions of Greg Norman in more depth. Might even get a psychologist on <laughs> to tell us what's going on there, Shaq. Uh, and plenty of other stuff next time on State of the Game. State of the Game is a Talk and Golf production. Theme music, Writer's Retreat, provided by Lloyd Cole. Visit www.lloydcole.com for more information. For more golf podcasts, log on to www.talkandgolf.com.